what's up and welcome to Bridgeview. We are so stoked you are here. Service starts at 7, that's in 5 minutes. Um, please be sure to use the bathroom before service starts. Now would be a good time. And if you're here, you're family to us and we are so happy to be spending this night with you.
service is in just two minutes, so make sure to grab your seat, turn off your airdrop, and if you're watching online with us this evening, comment something so that we know you're watching. Tonight will be awesome. We are so stoked that you are here. Hello, hello. Good evening, Bridge Youth. Feel free to come in, grab a seat. Welcome, welcome. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy December. Yes, happy holidays. You. One of the final Wednesday nights before Christmas right now, isn't it? If anybody has never met us, my name's Kenneth. My name's Trinity. And welcome to Bridge Youth. We like to say every week from the stage or the carpet that we're here to build you up, not... Beat you up. Yeah, we're so glad you guys are here and you guys are home anytime you're at Bridge Youth. All right, here at Bridge Youth, we like to do a thing called family time. So everybody get up off your seats and go and ask someone that you've never met this question. It is, on Christmas, are you a real tree or a fake tree kind of person? Does your family have a real tree? Or a fake tree. Or a fake tree. Pro-con that, pro-con that. All right, everybody, go ahead and grab a seat. Go ahead and grab a seat. All right, we got a few announcements for you guys. 
We don't want you to miss anything. So if you aren't already, go ahead and follow us on social media. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at BridgeYTH underscore. Yup, yup, yup. And I'm gonna distract you guys while I'm pulling up the announcements. Uh, raise your hand if you picked Realtree. Raise your hand if you picked Faytree. Dude, I guess what you have in your home. I get, yeah. I don't know. If you have I a fake tree, if you have a fake tree that's pre-decorated, bro, Scrooge. Oh. I'm like the Grinch with your tree, bro. All right, second announcement, giving. Another way of worshiping God is if you'd like to, is to give to the church. But there's no price tag to come in, there's no pressure to give. But if you would like to give, there's giving stations in the lobby and you can go ahead and give or at the back of the youth auditorium, we also have a giving station back there. All right, it is the month of December, as we all know, which means the Bridge Christmas services. We will be having the Christmas Eve candlelight service. Guess which day it is? It's on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. So December 24th at 4 p.m. and 5.30 p.m. And we will also be having the Christmas Sunday special online service at 9.30 a.m. and 11.30. So normal service times, but it will be in your home. You can be cozy with your pajamas, eating breakfast, drinking hot chocolate, whatever you guys do. Next announcement is Connect Groups this Sunday. If we don't see you guys on Sunday, we're only seeing you for half of the fun that Bridge Youth has to offer. We are going to be having Connect Groups with some games, some Christmas giveaways, and donuts. So we're going to be giving you guys breakfast as well. So come to church at 11 o'clock. You can invite your whole family to church on Sunday as well. Hopefully we'll see you guys all there this Sunday. All right, this is for all the people in the, in the room that are 18 or over. We will be having young adults gathering this Sunday, the 18th. You. And that will be at 5 p.m. in the coffee shop. So feel free to grab coffee, join us for our young adults gathering, meet some new people. It's a great place to be. And our final announcement is for our final Wednesday of 2022 next year. We have hot cocoa and Christmas cookies with a Christmas movie next week. So come hang out for a Christmas, uh, Christmas party that we're basically going to be having next week. It's going to be an ugly Christmas sweater theme party as well. The uglier so, the better. Yes, if you got an ugly Christmas sweater, make sure you wear that. I have one. I'm going to be wearing mine next week. And it's going to be hangs at 6, service from 7 to 8 with a movie from 8 to 9.30. All right, you guys know what time it is. Everybody stand up and get ready for worship. You.
want you to guys, I want you guys to know this, that there is a difference between being happy and having joy in the Lord. And so I want to remind you in this season that some people, it's a great season. It's a great season. I love this season, but sometimes it can be hard. But you know what? When we have joy in the Lord, we can be steady. We can be still. We can have peace. We can have joy. Not just being happy because we feel happy, but having joy because we know and serve the Lord and He knows us and He cares about us. So, Bridge Youth, let's have joy this season that despite what's going on, whether we're feeling it or not, whether we feel happy or not, that we will have joy in the Lord and be strong this season together, okay? All right, here at Bridge Youth, we believe in you. We're not gonna always be doing the praying and the preaching and the speaking because we believe in you guys. And so I wanna have Emma, one of our students, come up here and pray as we get ready for the message tonight. Come on over, Emma. I got you. Bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you for bringing us all here tonight. I pray that you speak to each person and that they open their hearts and their minds to you and the message tonight, Lord. We love you, and in your name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, on your way back to your seat, say Merry Christmas to four people. Yo, yo, whoa, hey there, was that me? Is that me? Hey, how we doing tonight, Bridge Youth? Ciao! Hey, it is so great to see each and every one of you. How many of you guys are loving the weather this whole week, right? Where, where are all of, my, all of my sad vibes people and you've been loving the rain? You've been loving it. How many of you guys, you guys missed the sun? You guys forgot what happened to the sun, right? It's funny because living in California, you get the, you get the best of summer and then you get like some of the worst of winter. Our definition of winter, right? If you tell someone from Michigan that it was 50, they're like, oh my gosh, that's a hot day, right? To us, 50 is like, it's about to snow if it starts to rain at this point, but I've been loving the weather. It's coming up on Christmas. Um, before I jump anywhere else in my message, this isn't even part of my message. This isn't even my notes. My name is Wyatt. So great to see you guys. Um, 
I am on staff here at the church. I work alongside Pastor Corey, Pastor Amber on the Next Gen team. And I have the honor and the privilege to bring tonight's message. And whether you are in the room or you are watching online, whichever camera we are on, that one possibly, hello, my name is Wyatt. So nice to not see you, but to meet you uh, right now. But we have to greet all of our guests by saying we are here to build you up, not Hey, we love you guys so much. We are so excited that you are here tonight. Whether you call this place your home, whether you are brand new to church in general or this space in this community, whatever it may be, we are just so happy to be with you guys tonight. Anybody excited about Christmas? Come on. All right, on three, you are going to yell in the middle, into the middle, one thing that you want for Christmas, okay? Here we go. One Two, three. All right, one more time. One, two, three. All right, now ask or tell me something that you don't want for Christmas. One, two, three. All I heard was, ah, for both of them. So that did not help because I was going to get you what you wanted, but I couldn't hear it because everyone else was doing it. So I'm so sorry. Um, but the reason why I asked that is because Christmas is coming up. And I remember one year when it was coming up to Christmas time, I had on my list an Amazon Alexa. Anybody familiar with Amazon Alexa? Anybody? Anybody you're like, I am Siri until I die. I will not buy anything from Amazon. No, no Google, Microsoft, none of that. I'm Apple product all the way. Charles, where are you at? Um, but I remember I put on my Christmas list that I wanted an Amazon Alexa. And I'm going to keep on saying Amazon Alexa in case there is somebody in the room named Alexa and we don't get confused. So one year I wanted to get an Amazon Alexa. And this was around the same time that it just started to come out. So I was thinking it would be dope to have one in my room. I could play music whenever I want, any type of song, any, any artist. I can ask it random questions, whatever it may be. So I realized after having an Amazon Alexa for a while, for a few years now, that I have grown trust issues with technology. Anybody else have trust issues with technology, maybe? Specifically with AI, because not even people who make AI know what AI is or what it can actually do. Because if you do not know, if you have an Amazon Alexa, Amazon Alexa listens to everything that you say and everything that you do. Your phones even do that, all right? I'm just going to say this really quick. I love H&M. Now, the next time you're on Instagram, don't be surprised when you see an H&M commercial or advertisement because your phone is listening to you right now not to freak you out. But that's how Amazon Alexa is. And there's been times where Miranda and I, my beautiful wife, um, have been watching TV. And at random moments, Alexa will just start, sorry, Amazon Alexa, will just start playing music. She'll just start talking. She'll be like, the capital of Maine is Michigan. It's not. I just made that up completely. But she'll just start talking out of nowhere. And I'm like, who is this voice? I, this isn't God. I know that. Uh, what is happening right now? And then I realized that we have an Alexa and she's listening to everything. I also didn't know that Amazon Alexa had this thing called whisper. If you own an Amazon Alexa and you haven't known about this, just ask your Alexa, sorry, Amazon Alexa to do something but whisper it. And guess what she'll do? She'll whisper it back to you. I was making cinnamon rolls one morning. Everybody else 
love, love, love a good cinnamon roll in the morning, right? Praise God. Ah, praise God. Right. Hell lost another one. Cinnamon rolls are free. Um, so I was making cinnamon rolls for my wife, Miranda. And I love playing music when I'm cooking, when I'm cleaning, when I'm doing all types of stuff. And so she was still asleep at the time. So the good husband that I am, I thought, okay, I'm just going to whisper this to Alexa, Amazon Alexa. I'm going to have it turn all the way down just so she can't really hear it, but I can hear it. So I whisper to Amazon Alexa, I say, Alexa, play the 1975. And she said, okay, playing songs by the 1975. Do you want me to keep whispering? And I said, no. <laughs> that broke me. I was like, nope, we're not, doing, we're not doing that. So there's some moments that I've realized with Amazon Alexa that I don't really trust it completely. But there was one moment that brought me over the edge. And I promise you this is a true story. I told Cameron Chase this today, and he did not believe me. This is a real story that I'm about to tell you. When I first got Amazon Alexa, it was about 4 or 3 a.m., middle not even night, right, early morning at this point, I'm asleep, and all of a sudden, all I hear is this faint, and I, I'm like, I'm, I'm groggy, I'm waking up, I'm like, huh, huh, and I kid you not, Amazon Alexa, they have a ring around it that lights up, this ring was glowing this ominous and evil, orangish red, just literally like, just, just, and I'm thinking to myself, am I still dreaming? This isn't a dream. This is a nightmare at this point. Like, what is happening right now? And so all I did was that I just said, I said, I said, Alexa, what are you doing? And I, I kid you not, Amazon Alexa responded. And she said, I am learning more about humans and gaining knowledge of the world. And I kid you not, I do not believe in this strategy for horror movies, but I totally did it. I'm, I'm sitting up like this, right? I'm looking, I'm looking at this, this evil machine at this point. And I turn over and I put the covers over my head. And I'm like, God, if this is a dream, wake me up. And if this isn't, like, you have your way with this evil device. So now anytime that Amazon Alexa plays a song that I like, answers a question, I always say thank you. I always say please. Because when the robots take over, I want Amazon Alexa to put in a good word for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, take out them, them, them. That guy. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He's nice. He's a, he's a good guy. Anybody else have trust issues, right? And I think a lot of times what happens is that whenever we think of this idea or this phrase, trust issues, we always associate it with people, right? We think about um, anywhere from our family members, our close relatives, our parents, our siblings, to our friends, to strangers, right? Whenever we think of trust issues, we always think of people. And ultimately, trust issues is just a fear of betrayal. It's a fear of abandonment. It's a fear of being let down by someone. 
But I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all fall under this category in which to some degree, we all have trust issues in the area of our relationship with God. Whether you know God or you don't. Whether you are a follower of Jesus or you are not yet a follower of Jesus, we all fall under the scale or under the uh, graph, I guess you could say, of trust issues when it comes to God. Some of us more, some of us less. And can I just let you know, you are not the only one that feels the way that you feel right now when it comes to trusting God. Because can I tell you from personal experience that it is difficult sometimes to trust a God that you cannot see physically. It's difficult to trust a God when all you have to go by is something that you can't see. It's difficult to trust in God when your life does not look the way that you want it to look. It's difficult to trust in God when you pray for something or you pray for someone and that prayer isn't answered. It's difficult. It's tough. And you're not the only one that feels that way. And I think all of us, like I said, fall under some type of umbrella when it comes to our trust issues with God. Maybe for some of you, it's a little bit. Maybe for some of you, it's a lot. For maybe some of you, you are not a believer or a follower in God because of your trust issues. Because you've had bad experiences. Because you've had tough times. Because there have been difficult moments in your life. All of us fall under some, some area of that. And tonight what I want to do is that I want to talk to us with this message title and this, this idea in mind of in the middle of trusting God. What do we do when we find ourselves in the middle of trusting God? What do we do when we find ourselves in this process of trusting God? And tonight what I want to do is that I want to go to a very popular story that's very uh, particular at this time and very applicable at this time because we're going to be talking about the Christmas story. Like I said, we started off with talking about if any of us are, are excited about Christmas and it's literally 11 days away. Oh my gosh, where did the time go, right? I, I could swear that it was December 1st like an hour ago and now it's, it's, it's already December 14th at this point. And we're going to be talking about the Christmas story because I believe that the Christmas story, when we look at it from a particular lens, when we look at it from a realism lens, we can see that this is a story about trusting God. Because what God did was that he took a circumstance and a situation that was crazy, that was wild, that was unlike any other, and he made it into a miracle. And he made it into a miraculous moment. He called a young girl from Nazareth to ultimately bear the Messiah from a miraculous standpoint, from, from a totally um, unseen circumstance. God took that moment, which sounds crazy, and he made a miracle out of it. Can I tell you that whatever moment that you're going through right now, whatever situation that you find yourself in, can I tell you that it might be a moment that God wants to work through you to make a miracle happen? Through crazy circumstances, through unforeseen circumstances, through times that, um, where life just happens. Can we just be real? Life happens sometimes. And for some of us, it happens more times than not. For some of us, we find ourselves in this situation where Christmas is coming up and it's supposed to be a time full of joy, full of happiness, full of uh, 
cheer and, 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 you know, high spirits and we love the Christmas season. But for some of us, the Christmas season is not a fun time. It is not an easy time. For some of us, you have lost loved ones, possibly even this year or last year. And the only thing that you can think of is how you're not going to be able to celebrate Christmas with them this year. Maybe for some of you, your family is going through a little bit of a difficult situation, either financially or relationally, and you're trying to figure out plans where, okay, do I stay with my dad? Do I stay with my mom? What's going on right now? For some of us, the Christmas season is great, but for some of us, the Christmas season can seem like a time of dread, like a time of weary. But yet, there's a character within the Bible, within the Christmas story named Mary. Someone say Mary. Anybody ever heard of Mary before within the Bible? I'm, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of us have, but we're going to be discovering who Mary is and the journey that she had to take from uh, basically being called by God all the way up until giving birth to Jesus. And here's the reality, is that Mary had to trust in God throughout that whole journey. And for us, whether you are a believer in Jesus, whether you are a uh, follower of his, maybe you're a new follower, or maybe you're not. Can I tell you that trusting in God is a lifelong journey. Trusting in God is a lifelong process. And ultimately what we have to do is that we have to decide as I am going through these trust issues with God, as I am in the middle of trusting God, what am I going to put my faith in? We're going to be talking about putting our faith in God and what that looks like tonight. But the reality is, is that for some of us, what does that look like? What does it look like to put our faith in God? Ultimately, I can put it like this, it's us uh, choosing to put our faith in him even in difficult times. Faith is believing that God will work it out. Faith is having confidence in who God is. And faith is hoping for the things that we cannot see. The sermon in a sentence for tonight, if you're taking notes, which I hope that you are, is trusting in God is a lifelong journey of faith. Trusting in God is a lifelong journey of of faith. And tonight, like I said, we're going to be going through the story of the Christmas story, and we're going to be following the character of Mary. We're going to look at this journey that she takes of trusting in God, and we're going to look at it through the lenses of the Christmas story. So we have some verses for you guys um, to be able to follow along with if you guys do have a physical Bible, or if you guys are just using your phone or a tablet or whatever it may be. We're going to be starting off in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Now I know what you're saying, whoa, I'm not very good at math, but I know that that's a lot of verses. But we'll get through it, okay. We're going to be starting off with Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. So could we all stand in the honor of reading God's word. If you guys do have a Bible, like I said, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. If you guys do not have a Bible, we'll be having them up on the screens. Everyone ready? If you're ready, say yeah. If you're not there, you say hold up. All right. Let's jump into this. Luke chapter 1, starting off at verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... I know what you're thinking, who the heck is Elizabeth? Elizabeth is a relative of Mary. Elizabeth is about to uh, give birth to a character in the Bible named John the Baptist. He was the, um, essentially like a prophet before Jesus. He was paving the way for Jesus in his ministry. So that's who Elizabeth is. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Someone say Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, 
a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. Just like how I was when Alexa, uh, Amazon Alexa woke me up. Um, confused and disturbed. This, this angelic, eternal being with a flaming sword and, and, uh, and shield just appeared in her room and she is confused and disturbed just like any one of us would be. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for this moment. We thank you, Lord, for tonight. Help us, God, to hear your words. Help us, God, to listen to your voice. Help us, God, to limit all distractions around us, Lord, and to help us focus in on what it is that you want to speak to us, Lord, in this message, talking about trusting in you. Lord, I pray that our faith would grow stronger in you, and I pray, God, that you would do what only you could do inside of this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you are taking notes, do not stop now because we have the very first point tonight. The first point for tonight is faith in the plan. Faith in the plan. Someone say faith in the plan. Faith in the plan. Can I tell you, whether you have heard this or not, or maybe this is just a reminder for you, God has a plan for your life. Someone say me? Look at your neighbor and say, yes, you. God has a plan for your life. And I know for some of us in the room, as you go throughout high school and even middle school, you might have even asked yourself this question before, what was I made to do? And for some of you, you might even have gotten into this idea that there isn't a plan for your life. That there is no purpose. That maybe you're here on this earth by chance or by random or just by accident. Can I just speak to that lie really quick because it is a lie that you were made for something? Can I tell you that you were made for a purpose and for a calling and that God did not make you by accident? God did not make you by chance. God did not just hit randomize and boom, there you were. But God made you specifically for a purpose, for a plan, for a calling. And I feel like somebody needs to hear that because you've been going on and on in your mind. You've been going on and on in your mind, going back and forth between the two saying, God has a plan for my life. And then one day you think to yourself, ah, oh, but that can't be true, but that can't be right. That has to, there has to be a mistake. Can I just tell you again, God has a plan for your life. And it's specific to you. In fact, one of the most amazing things that we can look at if we date all the way back to the book of Genesis. Someone say, whoa, that's far. All the way back to the book of Genesis when God made everything. If we know the story, then you would already know that God spoke everything into existence, which is amazing to think about. Whether it's literal or poetic, however people see it, that's just an amazing concept to think about. That as soon as God spoke something, it was just there. 
It was appearing. It was existing. And God spoke everything into existence. He spoke the light. He spoke the earth. He spoke the stars, the universe. In fact, it says that the heavens or the universe is continuing to expand even now to this day. So God spoke everything. He spoke all of creation into existence. But if we continue on with the creation story, we will see this one time where God did not speak something into existence. And that's you and me. See, what God did was that he didn't speak you into existence, but he got down into his own creation, into the dirt, into the dust, and he formed you into existence. He made man. He made woman. He made each and every one of us. In fact, the Bible goes on to say that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. In fact, we are made and knitted together within our mother's womb. So can I tell you that when it comes to God having a plan for your life, you don't have to worry about what that plan is. You don't have to be afraid if you're going to like it, if you're going to be good at it, if you're going to be, um, you know, nervous to get into it because you might. But can I tell you that God gave you that plan specifically for you. God made you to be you. He didn't make you to be like anybody else. You are one of a kind. You are unique. So next time you're on Instagram scrolling through trying to think to yourself, man, how can I be more like this person? How can I look more like that person? How can I talk more like this influencer? you got to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I can only be me. I can only do me. I can only talk like me. I can only act like me. Can I tell you that you are the best version of yourself when you act like yourself? When you walk in yourself, when you try to be somebody else, you're a copycat. Nobody wants to be a copycat. But you are unique and you are perfectly made within God's eyes. You don't have to change anything about yourself on the outside because God made you specifically to be you. God has a plan for your life. It's knitted perfectly together. And I could imagine how Mary must have felt within this moment. The angel appears right before her. And within that moment, the, the angel starts to tell Mary all of the stuff that they have planned. Okay, well, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah. And your son is going to be called the son of the Most High. And the son of God is going to be the ancestor of King David. And I could just imagine Mary thinking to herself, yeah, right. How is that possible? Again, am I dreaming in this moment? Is this too good to be true? And I can imagine that Mary must have felt all types of emotions. I could imagine that Mary felt all types of things as we often do. When we start to think about the plan that God has for us. And we think to ourselves uh, these specific things of, I'm not good enough. I'm not supposed to do this. I can't do this. There's no way that I can do this. But can I tell you, again, God made you to do it. God specifically made Mary to be the mother of Jesus here on earth. She was made to do it, whether she believed it or not. She was made to do it, whether she saw it or not. Can I tell you that you were made to do it, whether you know it or not, whether you see it or not, whether, you, wh whether you're in it or not, I don't know. But ultimately, you were made to do it. And I'm sure that it was difficult. I mean, I know that it was. I mean, could you imagine having that conversation with the angel, all of the doubt, all of the things that Mary must have thought about? And I can imagine the things that Mary went through in order to fulfill this plan, in order to make all of this stuff happen, how uncomfortable it was, how difficult it was. But can I just also tell us, as God does have a plan for our lives, can I just let you know that your plan, the, God, uh, the plan that God has for your life is not found in your comfort zone. What I want us to imagine is... Each of these speakers almost creates a little bit like a circle or a square. I want us to imagine like this is our comfort zone, right? What's our comfort zone? It's everything that we know. 
It's all the people that we're friends with. It's all, it's all the people that we're comfortable with, right? It's all of the things that, that, that we like. It's all the things that we're naturally good at. It's all the things that we just feel comfortable with. But can I tell you that God's plan for your life is not found within your comfort zone. God's going to use things from your comfort zone, but your plan for your life is not in your comfort zone. Because if God's plan was in your comfort zone, then it wouldn't be God's plan, it would be your plan. It would be your future, it would be your path, it would be, it would be the thing that you want to do. Because I could just imagine that if we were in that situation as Mary was, and the angel starts to go on about what's going to happen, that we would have some reservations about it. We would have some complaints about it. We would have some questions about it. And it's so funny because I think so many times, you know, as you go throughout middle school, as you go throughout high school, and as you start to ask yourself and pray about, God, use my life. God, I want to walk in the plan that you have for me. God, I want you to do only what you could do in my life. And then, and then we say this, this, this amazing line. God, I want you to use me. But, <laughs> but... I only want you to use me if it looks like this. But I only want you to use me if it's going to be easy. But I only want you to use me if I'm going to naturally enjoy it. If I'm going to naturally be good at it. God, please use my life. God, please show me the plan that you have for me. But only if it works on my schedule. But only if it works on my time, God. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a busy person. I'm a busy guy. I mean, I, God wants to use my life. Fortnite, right? I don't know. Like, I, God, I just don't know which one to pick. I mean, at this point, maybe my plan is to, do, is to just, just do Fortnite. I don't know. But there's so many times where we ask God, God, use my life, but only on my terms. Can I tell you that it does not work like that? If God's going to use you, he's going he's gonna to take you out of your terms. If God used you, he's going to take you out of your comfort zone. But can I tell you, he's not going to take you out of your comfort zone so that you fail. But he's going to take you out of your comfort zone so that you grow. He's going to take you out of your comfort zone because it's for your good. Because it's for your benefit. Because it's something that has to happen in order for you to reach the ultimate purpose and the ultimate dream that God has placed on your life. Can I tell you that the reason why, this is going to sound so random, but the reason why... Birds, right, eagles, birds, all types, of, all types of birds. The reason why the mom pushes the babies out of the nest is because they were not meant to stay in the nest. They were meant to fly. They weren't born to just stay up, perched up high within a nest. They were born to fly. And they wouldn't be able to fly if they just stay within the nest. Can I tell you, you were not meant to stay in your nest. You were meant to fly. You were meant to do amazing things. The plans that God has for you, they're not little plans, they're big plans. God just didn't want to use Mary just for a moment. God said, I want you to raise Jesus here on earth. I want to use your whole life. I want to use your whole lifetime in order to make this plan happen. But I think a lot of times what happens is that the reason why we don't fully allow God to use us is because we're afraid. And the reason why we're afraid is because we think that we're not good enough. And the reason why we don't think that we're good enough is because we see all of the weaknesses and all of the insecurities that we have inside of ourselves. And we think to ourselves, man, that sounds amazing, but for somebody else. Man, God, that plan sounds awesome and I would love to do it, but I'm just not qualified to do it. Can I tell you that your weaknesses does not disqualify God's calling on your life? 
In fact, your weaknesses actually qualify the calling on your life because it's not really what I do, but it's what God does through me. It's not really what you do. It's not really your plan. We're just saying, yes, God, whatever it is that you want to do, I'll do it. So if I have a weakness, all that is is an opportunity for God to use me even more. There was a moment when I was growing up in life. I was in elementary school, and I remember I had probably the worst stuttering habit. It was, it was awful. There were times where I couldn't even get through a sentence without having to stop, breathe, and then try to start again and try to get through the sentence. Because ultimately what was happening is that my mind was running so fast with thoughts and ideas, but my mouth was not able to keep up with it. And I remember it was so bad that my mom would keep track of like how many days I went without stuttering because that's how bad it was. It was like an achievement if I went one day without stuttering. And I remember so many times I felt so insecure to share my thoughts to share my ideas, to just talk. Because who wants to hear from somebody when they can't even get through a sentence? Who wants to uh, follow or be led by somebody when they can't even get through a single thought? But can I tell you that that did not stop me from God using my life. Because the guy who you're looking at right now might have had a stuttering problem in elementary school, but now I'm preaching and now I'm sharing God's message. Can I tell you that the thing... The thing that you're looking at right now, that you're thinking of, that's a weakness, can I tell you that to God, that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity for his strength to come through. That's an opportunity for his grace to come through. That's an opportunity for God to look at you and say, there's no way that they could do that. And then you can say, yeah, because it's not me, but it's God doing that through me. Bro, come on. <laughs> hey, here's the thing. Mary had a lot of weaknesses. And maybe we don't know that. <laughs> off of the front end of the story. But when we look at it from a historical standpoint, we can see some obvious things. Mary was young. At this point, how, how old do they say Mary was? Like anywhere from 15 to 16? So she was young. In this society within Israel, it ran on like a seniority system. Meaning if you did not reach a certain age, oh no, I'm sorry, your opinion really doesn't matter because you know, you're, not, you're not wise enough. You're not old enough at this point. Mary was also a woman. You see, she didn't grow up in 2022 in America. She grew up in like zero AD, not even AD because Jesus didn't even die yet. He wasn't even born at this time. She was born even before AD ever existed. And so at this time in Israel, women were not seen as equal to men. In fact, women had much of little say within their own households or even who to marry. Some people believe that this marriage between Mary and Joseph was an arranged marriage. So even to the point where Mary didn't even get to choose who she married. So there's two things that Mary could have felt insecure about. Mary was also from a town called Nazareth. Now Nazareth, as we know today, is the place where Jesus grew up. But the only reason why we know that is because of Jesus. Back in those times, whenever you read through the Gospels, and whenever Nazareth is brought up, it is always followed up by a town in Galilee. Because nobody knew Nazareth. Nobody knew where it was. For me, I grew up in Lake Elsinore. Can I tell you, any time that I told somebody, oh, I'm from Lake Elsinore, I always said, I'm from Lake Elsinore, which is right by Marietta. <laughs> Because people didn't know where Lake Elsinore was. Or I would say it's in between Temecula and Corona. Because they know Corona, they know Temecula, but they don't know Elsinore. <laughs> so that's where Mary is from. And even more so in John uh, chapter 1 verses uh, 46, 
Nathaniel, who is ultimately a disciple of Jesus, or he becomes a disciple of Jesus, even says what good can come from Nazareth. Nazareth was not a great place. It was not a place that people wanted to go to. So three strikes, three insecurities, but yet God used a young woman from Nazareth to bear the Messiah, to give birth to Jesus Christ, who is the greatest gift that we could ever have. God took each and every one of the weaknesses that she had, and he used that to his strength and to his advantage. Can I tell you that when you look at yourself in the mirror tonight, and when all you can see is your weakness, all you can see are all the things that you're insecure about, can I tell you that to God, it's not a weakness, it's an opportunity. I know that you might think that you're too young. I know that you might think that you don't live in the right area. Maybe you, maybe you wish that you lived somewhere else. I know that maybe you think that the school that you go to is whack or is lame. Or maybe you're even um, ashamed to say which school that you go to. Can I tell you that all of those things that you think are insecurities, God can use as a strength. God can use as an opportunity. You are not disqualified from the plan that God has for your life. All we have to do is say yes and have faith in the plan that God has for us. Amen. Hey, let's keep on moving because, you know, in the middle of trusting God, in the middle of trusting and putting her faith in God's plan, ultimately, there was a journey that was ahead of Mary and Joseph. And we see this journey play out within Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And here's what it says, starting off in verse 1. It says, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now obviously pregnant. Point number two for tonight is faith over feelings. Faith over feelings. See, I think if all of us, you know, let's try this out. Close your eyes right now. Think of a gentle breeze. I'm just kidding. Um, but for real though, close your eyes right now. And I want you to think of the Christmas story, the biblical Christmas story, right? I want you to think of the nativity. I want you to think of what it is that you see. And you're probably imagining like Mary who is just well-rested, she looks great. For some reason, she has on mascara. I don't know how that happened, but, you know, there's animals around. The stable that they're in is clean. It's well taken care of. And for some reason, the chicken and the cow and the pig have halos on them. I don't know why, but that's just how it is. You know, Joseph looks great. He's awesome. Baby, sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> baby Jesus is right there, and he's, uh, well, he's just calm and sweet, and he's not crying or, or nervous at all. And Man, the manger looks great, and oh, man, what a beautiful picture. Well, guess what? <laughs> you can open up your eyes right now. That is not probably, I am about 95% certain, that 5% is the God chance that, 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 that what I'm guessing might have not happened. But there's about 95% chance that that is not exactly how it went down. See, here's the reality of the Christmas story, is that when we look at this section within Luke chapter 2, Mary and Joseph have to travel from Nazareth, which is all the way at the northern part of um, Israel, 
And they had to travel all the way down to Bethlehem in Judea, which is about a 90-mile journey. Now I know what you're thinking. Well, they probably Ubered. Guess what? There was no Uber. <laughs> there was no plane, no train, and no automobile. All right? You know what they had? They had their dogs and they had their donkeys. That's all that they had at that point. And they have to walk 90 miles. Someone say, whoa. 90 miles on their feet. And Mary, if you didn't catch it, I, <laughs> I think the Bible is funny sometimes. Because I love how it just throws in there in verse 5. He took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now obviously pregnant. As if to say, hey, in case you didn't remember, Mary is now obviously pregnant at this point. So Mary and Joseph have to walk 90 miles. Now, Rome or the Roman Empire is known to be sort of above and beyond its time with the roads that they made. They had a whole road system within the Roman Empire. But I'm pretty sure that their road system looks a lot different than it does now, right? With, with modern roads, with paved roads, with grass. This was a bumpy, rugged, dangerous terrain that Mary and Joseph had to go through. And this census is for all of Israel. So they are traveling with like a caravan of people going to Bethlehem and going to all types of areas within Israel. 90 miles. I looked it up. It took about a week for them to get there. It took a week if they walked 2.5 miles per hour in eight hours a day. Can I tell you, I get, I mean, I know I used to be in track, but now I get tired just from walking an hour straight let alone eight hours on rugged terrain in like, you know, we're not talking about like Adidas slides. We're talking about like very thin material sandals that they had to walk in. Can I tell you that this was a journey that was tough, that was difficult. This paints a totally different picture when we think about the Christmas story where everybody is great, where everybody is awesome. But this was a difficult journey. And can I tell you that I feel as though if Mary was going through this, and she's human just like the rest of us, that she would start to have doubts in her mind because she didn't feel like this is what God was calling her to do. Because it was difficult and because the feelings that she had were tired, were exhausted, I'm, I, I could almost bet that Joseph and Mary for sure fought and argued on this trip. Mary's about to have a baby. She's not feeling great right now. I mean, they were just going through it. And I could imagine that they were not feeling as though God was with them. That they were not feeling as though they were called by God. They might have totally forgotten about the plan that was over their life because of the feelings that they were going through. Can I tell you that we find ourselves in this situation so often where we dictate the presence of God or God using us in our lives based on our own feelings and our own emotions? We do this so often. Perfect example, if anybody has ever been to summer camp before, you've cried, you've, you've had the moments, right? You've had the cabin time. When you were up at the altar, you felt your skin go from the, I hate this word, the goose pimples. <laughs> Why do goose have pimples? I don't know. But you've had those moments, right? And when you leave, what happens? When you get back home, you feel great, you feel awesome, you had a moment with God. But as soon as you get back home, the next week when you're at youth, what do you think? Well, God's not here. God, you know, when I was up at camp, I could, 
just hear from God. It was so, it was so easy just to get into his presence. And now whenever I'm at home, I just don't feel like God is with me. I, I, just, I just don't feel like he's speaking to me. I just don't feel like he's, he's really doing anything in my life. But, but here's the confusing part to me as, as a leader and as a preacher is that the same God who met you up at camp is the same God that went with you back home. The same God that was up at camp that you had a moment with is the same God that meets us here every Wednesday at 7 p.m. during worship and during the message and during altar time. The same God that you had a moment with up there is the same God who is right here. Could it be possible that the reason why we don't uh, trust in God is because we don't feel God. And we are allowing our feelings to dictate our faith. And we're allowing our feelings to dictate whether or not we worship God. And we're allowing our feelings to dictate whether we pray, whether we're in God's word, whether we uh, continue to serve and follow after God. We are allowing our feelings to determine whether or not God is even real. Pastor Corey, how many stories have you heard before where there's been a student, maybe even a leader, where they're following after God, they're on, as, as a Christian term, they're on fire for God. Right, they're really passionate, they're really, they're really invested in it. But all of a sudden, like a few months later, they start to say, I'm just not really feeling it anymore. It's so weird because God was with me then, but oh, God's just not with me right now. Because life is tough and I just don't feel like God is with me. Can I tell you that that is a lie? We serve a God who is all-powerful. We serve a God who is all-knowing. We serve a God who is omnipresent, meaning that he is everywhere in the physical present and God also exists outside of time, meaning that God exists outside of time and yet everywhere within time, meaning we serve a powerful God. We serve a big God. So how is it possible that God is only up at camp and God is only here during big nights, but he's not here every single week? How does that make any sense for us? It doesn't. Because we're going based off of our feelings and off of our emotions. Can I just say, rain check, your feelings are faulty. Your feelings are not always right. And I, and I know that's, that's, that's so contrary to the culture that we live in. How many times do we hear, well, go with your heart. Well, just go with your gut. Well, what do you feel? How are you feeling right now? Can I tell you, I don't want to base my faith off of my feelings because my feelings lie to me. My feelings don't always tell me the truth. Can I tell you that there's so many times that we base our temporary, ever-changing feelings to a never-changing God. The God who never changes, we are determining whether he's working or not based off of something that always changes inside of me. If you had a friend... Maybe you do have a friend like this. If you had a friend that always changes their opinion, they always change how they think of something, how they see something. Oh, man, this is super cool. Man, I love these shoes. These shoes are awesome. These shoes are great. The next day they're like, man, I hate these shoes. Right? They're always changing their opinions, how they think of people, how they see people, the value that they put even into your own relationship. You wouldn't be able to trust that person, right? So yet, why do we trust our feelings when they do the exact same thing? We put more trust into our feelings than we do with God. We determine whether God is working or not based on if we feel it or not. Here's an encouragement, and it might sound like a challenge, but it's really an encouragement. Have your feelings follow your faith. Your faith is the thing that leads the way. 
Whether I see it or not, I'm gonna lift my hands during worship. Whether I feel it or not, I'm gonna take notes during the message. Whether I hear God moving or speaking, I'm gonna try to listen into what it is that he has to say to me when I'm in my word. Whether I'm up at camp, whether I'm back in Marietta, whether I'm at school, whether I'm at my house, whether my parents are fighting, whether I feel it or not, whether I'm in a good season or a bad season, I'm not gonna have my feelings determine my faith. Because ultimately, what we can see in James chapter 1, verse 17, that God never changes. Which, God, thank you for never changing. I think there's so many times where we try to determine who God is. And can I tell you, I am so glad that I don't get to determine who God is. Because he would be everywhere on the emotional scale and on the feeling scale. It just wouldn't work out. God, I am so thankful that you are never changing. Here's what it says in James chapter 1, verse 17. It says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. Here's the part. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Now, what that portion of shifting shadow means is that when you see somebody walk, right, like Pritham, can you stand up really quick? Thank you so much. Everyone say, what up, Pritham? Pritham, what I want you to do is that I just want you to walk, like, around to where the keyboard is and then walk back. That's all I want you to do, okay? And everybody look at his shadow really quick. Okay, 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 okay. All right, Pritham, you may take a seat. Thank you, Pritham. What did you see the shadow doing? It was moving, right? It was changing. It was, it was shifting. It was, it was going with whatever was around it, right? Whatever light was hitting it, it would move with the light. Can I tell you that that is our feelings? And God does not operate in that. When God walks through a room, it's the same God. It says that in, in Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Meaning that God has a plan for you today. So that means that God is going to continue to have a plan for you. He's not changing. God is not faulty. God is not contradicting. So why do we base what God does and if God is moving off of our faulty emotions? Here's what we have to do. We have to decide that our feelings don't determine whether God moves or not. And that might be a challenge for us, but yet it's a daily thing that we have to do to say my faith is going to be over my feelings. My feelings are not going to determine my faith. My faith is going to determine my feelings. God, I may not feel you in this room right now, but I'm still going to lift my hands as if I did. God, I may not hear your voice right now, but I'm still going to be in your word as if I am. God, I may not understand what is going on inside of my life, but I'm still going to ask for help out of faith. Because my feelings are not going to determine my faith. How can my faulty feelings determine what it is that a perfect God does? What do you do when your feelings don't match your faith? You take another step and you don't turn back. What do you do when your feelings don't match your faith? You take another step and you don't turn back. My feelings do not dictate my walk with God. Instead, my feelings add to my walk with God but they don't dictate my walk with God. I feel like somebody needs to, needs to hear that. Maybe you're not taking notes right now, but, but you got to write this down somewhere. My feelings add to my walk with God, but they don't dictate my walk with God. 
man, if I feel God's presence, that's an addition to my faith. It's not a reason for my faith. It's not a starter for my faith. It's an addition to my faith. It enhances my faith. God, I, I may not see you right now, but God, I know that you're in this room right now. And ultimately, this journey that Mary and Joseph took, this was all a part of the plan. See, if you didn't know, Jesus was prophesied, which means that he was foretold all the way throughout the Old Testament of the Bible. And there's specific verses that say where Jesus is going to be born. And it's even prophesied that Jesus was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So all of this had to happen. All of this was ultimately a part of the plan. The plan that God had all along was to have all of this stuff happen. The census had to happen. They were supposed to travel. And as God calls us out of our comfort zone, and as he calls us out into the uncomfortable and into the unknown, we can be sure and we have to make this decision that my feelings are not going to dictate my faith. I'm going to keep on walking. I'm going to keep on moving. God, if I don't see you, I'm going to keep on walking as if I do. Amen. And let's jump into this last portion um, of scripture. As I do, if I can get the uh, band into position. We're going to be wrapping up in a few minutes. Uh, if you would like to uh, fast, fasten your seatbelts and uh, put your uh, tables in the upright position, we're going to be uh, descending right now in a few minutes. So uh, let's just be ready. Uh, have a great trip in Los Angeles, and uh, we'll see you guys back here shortly. All right, Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. Here we go, last portion, last stretch. It says this in verse 6. It says, and while they were there. So they made it to Bethlehem. They made it on their journey, right? The 90-mile journey is over. While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Point number three, as you guys are taking notes, is faith when all else fails. Faith when all else fails. Again, we just talked about it before at the beginning of last point. This picture of the manger and of the stable and of the animals, right? We see it in the nativity scene and how amazing and how awesome it was and how seemingly perfect it was. But ultimately, as we, as we know, it wasn't all perfect. It didn't, it didn't all feel amazing or it was all great. I, I just want to put this into into a picture. When Mary gave birth to Jesus, there is no modern medicine at this time. There's no, there's no pain medicine as, as to what we know. Maybe a doctor was present, maybe. It wasn't the best conditions for her to give birth in in a stable where animals are. And she has to put her baby in a manger. As we, as we think about a manger, you know, it's, it's stereotypical that now a manger means that that's where you place your baby, right? It's like a crib. But if you went to a place back in this time and said, hey, I want to buy a manger, you would get a stone slab with a oval cut out of it. And you know what that was used for? It was used to feed animals out of. And because it was stone, that means that you could put more than just hay in it. So they could put all types of as, as what would be considered sloth, just liquid, food, plants, all types of stuff. Just to add on to the whole idea that this was not a picture-perfect moment as we think of it. 
But this was all a part of God's plan. And when all else failed, ultimately Mary continued to have faith in the plan. And, he conti and she continued to trust in God. Because here's what happens. Historically speaking, if they were going to Bethlehem for the census, they would most likely stay in the house of a relative. But they don't even talk about that, right? They just go straight into the lodge or what would be considered as the inn in some translations. So that means that all of the relatives that Joseph had in Bethlehem, all of the space was already taken up. So maybe they go to a friend's house, maybe they go to a close friend and they say, hey, is there any way that we can stay here? My wife is about to, or, or my fiance is about to have a baby. Like, is there anything that we can do? Sorry, everything's already taken up. And I could just imagine them going from in to in and just hearing the exact same answer, no, no, no. And it's not specifically said within the story, but with Mary and with Joseph being from Israel, they would have had a faith in God. And I could just imagine Mary thinking and praying to herself, God, please open up a door. God, please make a way. And you know what God, what God did? He opened up a stable. Now, I could just imagine how Mary and Joseph were feeling. But can I just say this really quick? Is that when God answers your prayer, don't complain about the answer. Because here's what Mary could have done. Mary could have hit up God and said, yo, I got the son of God with me right now. He's not out yet, but he's about to. <laughs> and if you don't put us up in a room, there's gonna be some problems that we're gonna have in the future. There's, there's something wrong with this, with this image, right? I mean, the son of God born in a stable, the son of God born in the same place where animals are, the son of God who is born in a nasty situation, who is just casted out to the side where all of this chaos, all of this uncertainty is having. But can I tell you that in the midst of all of that, God had a plan. Because in the midst of chaos, in the midst of uncertainty, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was born. And it was an illustration to show us within our lives that even in the midst of chaos, even when we find ourselves in the stable, rejected, casted away by society, Jesus can come to you and still find you and be born into your life. It's a representation to show us that we are Mary and Joseph. We are those who are trying to find answers. We are those who are trying to find fulfillment in everything else, but yet everything else continues to reject us, continue, continues to kick us out. But yet there's a stable open that God has for you to say, this is where I want you to experience God. When you're in your lowest of lows, when all else fails, when people fail you, when situations fail you, when everything else around you seems to fail, I'm gonna open up a way so that you can have the Son of God into your life, so that light can meet you right where you are. When all else fails, we can have faith in God because he is working even when we don't see it, because he is working even when we don't know it. He is working on our behalf in order to answer the prayer that we're asking him for. He is working on our behalf so that a miracle could happen. If you find yourself in a situation like that, can I tell you, get ready for a miracle. When you find yourself in the lowest of lows, get ready for a miracle because God's going to open up a door and he's going to bring something into your life that you had no idea was going to happen to you. 
in that moment, Mary and Joseph could have easily said, God doesn't care about us. He doesn't love us. He doesn't want us. But instead, God opened up a door. And it was an unexpected door. It was a door that they didn't see coming. And yet in the middle of that, Jesus, the greatest gift on earth, was born. We can have faith and we can trust in God when all else fails. Because he hears us. Because he listens to us. Because he's working on our behalf. Because even when it seems like nothing is working out, God continues to work within our lives. When all else fails, Jesus, the light of the world, was born. When everything was failing, when everything around them was crumbling, God opened up a way and God opened up a door. And I know for some of us, you know, I think a natural question within church, and as we talk about the Christmas story, is okay, so then, you know, what's the significance of this story? Why is it that Jesus had to be born, right? What's the big deal about this story? Why is this, why is this holiday, why is this event still talked about and still um, viewed as an amazing moment? Well, I'll tell you. See, the reason why Jesus was born is that it was an illustration of God reaching out to us to reconnect this gap that was in between us. You see, at the very beginning of time, there was this moment that Adam and Eve have, again, going all the way back to Genesis, where they disobey God, where they choose to do their own thing, and they are separated from themselves and God. Can I tell you that Adam and Eve were literally walking around with God, just chilling with Him. But because of their disobedience, because of their sin, there was a natural separation that happened between us and God. And so now all of us are born into this world of sin and of separation. And so God said, I want to fix that gap. I want to fix that divide. And I'm not going to ask my creation, human beings, to meet me halfway. I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to go to them. And so Jesus is born out of a miracle. He's born of a virgin through the Holy Spirit. He's born to be the Son of God. And ultimately what happens is that as Jesus lives his life, his whole mission here on earth was to preach, was to be an example to us, and ultimately he was meant to be a sacrifice for us. To die on a cross because ultimately the wages of sin are death. And so Jesus being perfect and holy was meant to be the final sacrifice so that anybody who believes in him would know who God is, would have a connection with God. And tonight we're about to jump into a moment where you have the opportunity to know who this God is, to have a relationship with this God. Because maybe to you, as you come in tonight, you're like, yeah, I do have trust issues with God. Yeah, I don't believe him at his word. Yeah, I don't believe that he can do things in my life. But you know what? There was something that happened in the middle of the message that said, but what if? There was something in the middle of the message that just gave me peace, that just gave me calmness and stillness. And I just feel like maybe there's a chance that I was wrong about this, this God person, this, this Jesus character that I've been reading about. Maybe all of this is actually real. You're gonna have a moment to jump into that relationship tonight. Because when Jesus was born, he wasn't just born into a world to live in it, but he was born into the world to ultimately save it and to give us a chance to reunite this relationship between us and God. And it's through the sacrifice that Jesus made that we can have that opportunity, amen. Hey, let's take a moment right now. Can everybody just close your eyes right now? Maybe even bow your heads, you know. The reason why we ask you guys to close your eyes and to bow your heads is to just show that it's not really about everybody around you. We want to have this opportunity for everybody, but 
this moment's between you and God. If God's speaking to you right now, if there's stuff that, are, that is happening inside of your heart, God wants to draw close to you. He wants to jump into this relationship with you. And all it takes is for us to open up our hearts, open up our minds, and to allow God to come into our hearts. So if you're in the room tonight, and if you say, you know what? I didn't believe then, but I want to give Jesus a chance. Or maybe you're here tonight and you say, you know what? I used to believe, but because of the trust that I had in God, I, I just haven't believed and, and I walked away from my faith. But tonight I want to reconnect my faith. You're going to have an opportunity right now. On the count of three, if you are either one of those, per either one of those persons and you want to accept Jesus into your heart, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you, if that's you. On all sides, on all sides. Amen, amen. You guys have put your hands down. You know, as you put your hands up, it's ultimately a physical representation of what God is doing on the inside. As if to say, God, here I am, I'm right here. But ultimately it goes further because the Bible says that if you, if you confess with your mouth and if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So if we could all repeat these words after me, if we can all believe them within our hearts. Repeat these words, say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've made mistakes. I'm truly sorry. And tonight, I accept you into my heart. I need you to be my Lord, to be my Savior. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. So tonight, I open my heart to you. Come into my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. And if we could all make some noise for the people who accepted Jesus into their life for the first time. Hey, what I really want to do right now is that I want all of us to just take a moment, quietly, staying within this moment, to just stand up right where you are. Come up to the front as we were with worship. And what I want us to do, what I want us to do is that I want us to all choose right now that our faith is going to dictate our feelings. That my feelings are not going to determine whether or not I worship God. My, my feelings are not going to determine whether or not I hear from God. My, my feelings are not going to determine whether I lift my hands, whether I worship God, because he is here right now in this place and he wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. Right now, not distracting anybody. Maybe this moment isn't for you, but don't take it away from anybody else. You know, as we're in this moment, what I want us to do is I want us to just feel free to lift up our hands, lift up our voices. Nobody's listening around you. Sing as if you're only singing to God because you really are. God, as we come before you right now, Jesus, we ask that you would speak to us. We ask that you would use us. We ask God that you would unlock dreams, plans and purposes into our life, God. Lord, that you would reaffirm us and that you would remind us of the things that you are doing inside of our life, God. We love you and we thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen. where I lay it 
This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. And I will make room for you to do whatever you do whatever you want to and I will make room for you to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to
Let's just stay in this moment right now. You know, I mentioned in sort of towards the middle of my message that for some people, Christmas is a time of celebration. It's a time of gathering, and it's a it's a joyful time. It's a happy time. But for other people who I know might be here tonight, where Christmas is not a joyful time. It's a it's a difficult time. It's it's an unpleasant time. And really, what I felt like like God was putting on my heart that that I wanted to say for this moment was when the story of Christmas, the the real story from from Luke uh, chapter two, when Jesus was born and he was born in a stable, the context behind that that I learned as I was doing research on this particular chapter was that stables in that time were either found on the, uh, like in the side of a mountain basically, or it was found in a shallow cave because they were a natural defense against robbers, thieves, animals, things like that, right? It was, a, it was an easy place for them to um, keep their livestock alive and, and theirs, right? So that's not stolen. And it's interesting to think that Jesus, who is called the light of the world later on in Matthew, that he would be born in a cave that is dark, that is dreadful, that is despairing, that the light of the world showed up in darkness. And then we fast forward about 33 years later where Jesus is killed, he's crucified, and then he's laid in a grave. And the grave, as we think of a grave, right, it's, it's dark, it's gloomy, it's all hope is lost at this point. It's, it's, you know, I mean, dead things are in a grave. Dead things are in a tomb. But then as we read on into the story of Jesus, we know that three days later after his death, after he's been placed inside of this grave, he's resurrected again by the, by the power of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the light of the world, which was turned off, turns back on in a grave. Two dark moments, a cave and a grave. The light of the world was born in a cave and the light of the world was turned back on in a cave. And I feel like for some of us tonight where when we think about Christmas, when we think about the weeks that are ahead and we think about all the things that we have to go through, whether it's family, whether it's financial, whether it's even just emotional inside of our lives and we think about the dark moments that we can go to, I just felt like God was pressing this on my heart as I was prepping this message. And somebody has to hear this. Whether you find yourself in a cave or a grave, Jesus can meet you. Whether you find yourself in the dark, whether you are going through a dark moment, Jesus, the light of the world, can find you in your darkest moments. He can show up in your darkest moments. You know what the one thing darkness is afraid of? Light. You know what the one thing light is afraid of? Nothing. Because light dictates what happens to the darkness. Darkness does not determine what happens to the light. So when Jesus shows up, you know what the darkness can do? It can do nothing but hide. It can do nothing but leave. It can do nothing but just flee from, from Jesus' presence. So right now, what I want us to do is that maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you find yourself in that dark place. Maybe you find yourself in that emotional cave. Maybe you find yourself in that 
relational or that family grave, quote unquote, where you're just going through a dark moment. And as you think about Christmas, all you can think about are all the things that are going to go wrong and all the things that are going to go bad. But what I want to do is that I want us to to be led in this moment where we're going to proclaim that God is going to meet us right where we are. That as we find ourselves in those dark moments, in that cave, in that grave, that God, Jesus, the light of the world is going to show up within those moments. And there's nothing that darkness, there's nothing that the enemy, there's no plan that the enemy can possibly do to stop what it is that Jesus is doing. Amen. So if that's you tonight, and if you find yourself in that place, I want you to raise your hand right now. Don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. If that's you tonight and you find yourself within that place, I want you to raise your hand going all across this place, whether you're a student, whether you're a leader, whether you find yourself there, I want you to raise your hand. Now, what I want to do is I want us to add on to it. All of my leaders, I want you to look around. If you find somebody with their hand up, I want you to go up to them and I want you to just put their hand, your hand on their shoulder as a sign of saying, I'm with you, as a sign of saying, God, do something, as a sign of saying, we are joining together in faith, believing that God is going to show up believing that God is gonna do something, believing that the, the, the light of the world is gonna show up within our darkest situations. Come on, if there's anybody else and you just need prayer for something that you're going through, would you just lift up your hands? This, is, this isn't a place of judgment. This isn't a place of shame or a place of guilt. This is a place of, of healing. This is a place of breakthrough. And if you're here tonight, God has something for you. He wants to show up in your life. Leaders, continue to look around. If anybody has their hand up that you're not next to, go to them. Put your hand on their shoulder and just begin to pray for them. God, you know everything that we're going through right now, Jesus. God, you know every situation. God, you know the pain. You know the hurt. God, you know the turmoil and the overthinking and the anxiety and the worry and the depression that is going on inside of students' lives right now, Lord. And what we are going to proclaim right now, that in the name of Jesus, you're going to show up right now inside of their lives, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, turn on your light inside of them, Jesus. God, for students who are going through relational issues with their families, God, the, the, the chains that the enemy has... has um, has, has seemingly put around them, Lord, in their lives as a sign of slavery. Lord, I pray that right now, in the name of Jesus, that you would break those chains right now and that you would show up in their life, Lord. God, I pray that as, the, as students are in their caves, God, and as they're overthinking life, as they're overthinking all of these things, and that as they have so many dark thoughts going through their minds, Lord, I pray that right now that you would show up in the name of Jesus, God, because darkness does not determine what you do. You determine what happens to darkness, God. So right now, I pray, Lord, that you would just show up in their minds right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Begin to speak. Begin to move. Leaders, continue to pray. Continue to believe that God's going to work through them, Lord. Continue, continue to pray in Jesus' name that he's going to show up in their lives as we go into this next song. deeper and my shame was wide 
Your arms were wider And my guilt was great Your love was greater still As you ran to me when I was broken And you clothed me in your righteousness And you pulled me from the depths of darkness Into your light Oh, it's through your light again. As my sin was deep, your grace was deeper. My shame was wide, your arms were wider. And my guilt was great, your love was greater still. Your grace was deeper And my shame was wide Your arms were wider And my guilt was great Your love was greater still How deep, how wide, how far, how high the love of my Savior, the love of Christ. How deep, how wide, how far, how high. The love of my Savior, the love of Christ. How deep, how wide, how far. was deeper, my shame was wide, your arms were wider, my guilt was great, your love was greater still. My sin was deep, your grace was deeper than the my shame was wide, your arms were wider, and my guilt was great, your love was greater still.
Hey, is anybody else just so thankful for Jesus? So thankful that in every moment, in every situation of our life, he comes in. Hey, um, as I prayed for a couple people, there was just something resounding in my heart that I want to repeat to each and every one of you is that that light that came into a dark world, that Jesus that brought life to a dead tomb, he goes with you. I know for many of you tonight, you're going to go home to a family that doesn't know Jesus like you know Jesus. That was my story. That's what I grew up in. I felt like the darkest place that I'd go to week in and week out was my own home. But can I tell you, God goes with you, number one. God goes with you. He's with you in every situation, in every moment. As you walk, you don't walk alone. And secondly, you got a family and a community right here who love you, who back you, who's praying for you. We're in this together. We are not just a gathering. We really are the family of God. So be encouraged tonight. One last thing on that note. Next week, it's our last Wednesday night of the year. The last one of 2022. And as Wyatt was finishing up his message, and, and as we were going, I was seeing students pray with students. That's one of my favorite things in the world. Leaders are praying for each other. Leaders are play, praying for students. I started to think, who's not in this room that needs to be? Who do you know that needs this faith and this hope and this trust in God that Wyatt was talking about tonight? Is there somebody? Because we got one more opportunity this year. Then we're on a two-week break. You know, there's Christmas online. There's Christmas Eve service. You don't want to miss that. Trust me, it's going to be amazing. But, like, then we're, this right here won't happen for two weeks. And then huge, huge 2023 launch party on the 11th. It's going to be awesome. But next week, we got one more chance. And it's Christmas. And there's people who are willing and their hearts are open more than ever to be open to come and to join us. Next week is going to be a really, really unique service. It's going to be a short service. I'm going to speak a really quick message. And then really, every single person is going to be involved in what we're doing that night. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to be praying for each other. We're going to be giving each other some bracelets. It'll make more sense next week. I promise you this. Next week will be one of the most unique church services that you've ever been in. And there's some people who need to be here next week, who aren't here tonight. And you know them. I don't know them. You go to school with them. I don't. They're in your family, not mine. They follow you on Instagram, not me. They watch your Be Real every day, not mine. I don't have Be Real. Be Real's not real at all. It's like, <laughs> be real time. Everybody be real. I'm like, that's not real. That's not what you were just doing. You did something totally fake in a moment to be real. Anyways, <laughs> tangent over. <laughs> tangent over. Who is it in your life? Can you then, because here's the, here's the really cool thing about that light that came into that dark cave. Jesus said, now you are the light of the world. I live in you. Go take that light. Hey, can we thank Wyatt for that amazing message? Absolutely awesome. Hey, before we go, if you gave your life to Jesus, that's the best decision you could ever make with your life. Can we welcome people into God's family? So cool. It's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. We want to give you a free gift called The Next Seven Days. You can get it in a really simple way. Go to our Instagram, at bridgeyth underscore, and we'll handle the rest. Just DM us next seven. That's it. We'll handle the rest. We'll get you the videos. Two things before you go. Number one, this Sunday. Somebody say, Sunday. We're going to have a little mini Christmas party with donuts and some games and some giveaways, some gift cards this Sunday. Don't miss that. And then next Wednesday, somebody say, Wednesday. 
Last Wednesday of the year, Christmas party, Christmas sweaters, cookies, hot cocoa. We're going to do a Christmas movie. It's going to be awesome. Don't miss it. We love you guys so much. Go on this peace and love. We'll see you this Sunday and next week.